Welcome home. I'm John Hernandez, and you have tuned in to the CFA Church Podcast. If you have any questions about CFA Church, feel free to visit us at cfachurch.com. We pray that you would walk away from this moment loving Jesus and changing the world. Enjoy the podcast. Whole lot of heroes in the house this morning, amen, on stage in the audience. Thank you so much. If you'll turn to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 1 and just kind of get ready for that. Let me make a a few remarks about uh, next Sunday about our miracle offering and thank you for the great feedback that many of you have uh, responded with that as as we did a teaching and maybe you were out of town and didn't get a chance to listen online. I encourage you to to listen to last week's teaching. We talked about the difference between uh, the tithe, which is our giving to Jesus but it's from the harvest. So God brings it all in and we take a tenth because a tithe means a tenth and we return that sacred portion portion to the Lord. But a first fruits offering is given toward the harvest. A tithe is given from the harvest. A first fruits offering is given toward the harvest. And so we're believing, we're not coercing, we're not manipulating, we're not twisting anybody's arm. All we're asking is that you would ask God what you should do. Our visitors, our guests, our people that are just getting acclimated to CFA. Uh, next week, this, this isn't necessarily for you. You're welcome to participate, but if you just want to write on the, the bag, um, considering or praying, and you can be a part. But for those of us that call CFA home, we want to plant a seed towards future harvest. And we're going to have that as part of our worship moment. If you didn't get one of the brown bags, Um, Our ushers will have them at the door as you leave and you can grab one, pray together as a family um, or or yourself and then bring that. And we're just going to have an amazing uh, worship moment next next Sunday as part of this miracle offering. Um, This morning, I want to preach a message to you. And my title is this, that you have stayed at this mountain long enough. And before, before I get into this kind of little bit of an introduction to the word that God has for the house this morning, I just need you, and you don't have to say it out loud, but I just, like, I need you in your heart, or I need you just with your, with your facial expression to affirm, affirm your love for your pastor. And you say, why do I need to do that? After I get through the introduction, you'll understand why you need to affirm your love for me this morning, because I'm going to give you a what I'm going to call a diagnosis, and I don't know about you, I want a doctor that's going to diagnose me honestly. Like if I come in to see you, don't tell me, hey, Doug, you're looking good, everything's good, and then I drop dead tomorrow, don't tell me that. Like if something's wrong, I want you to call it out, but then I don't want you to just yell at me either. I want you to give me hope, and I want you to give me a plan. Does that make sense medically? So I want to do a little bit of diagnosis on our society, but then from the word of God, I want to give you hope and I want to give you a plan. So the diagnosis is simply this this morning. I I feel like we're a society that doesn't transition well. Here's what I mean by that. Uh, Let me give you a a couple of examples. So you're a parent, a new parent, and, and your little baby has just learned to crawl. 
And you're so proud of that and you captured that moment and, and you're just feeling good about life. You're feeling good about your parenting skills and you go to post that little snippet on Instagram and, and your emotions are good until you see the picture of your friend that has a child that's about the same age as your child and they've learned their third instrument and their second language. And suddenly, what was a joy in your home now becomes a competition. And what was your child now becomes a trophy. And, and you begin to, so this is what we've done in the elementary school years in America, is it's, okay, your child has three participation ribbons, and my child is going to have four. And we put our foot on the, the gas, and it's so good to see you guys. I know you've been traveling. I, you've been on my heart so much, and uh, they're, they're on the road truck drivers, but so faithful. And uh, thank you for being here this morning. That was just random. I've been, been thinking about you guys and praying for you. So call next time, Pastor Doug. I know, I need to call next time. But during the elementary school years, right, it's all like, like you're just, as a parent, you're like looking around, who's getting ahead of my kid? And so it's competition and competition. And then when your child, here's, so it's push, 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 go, go, go. And then your child uh, becomes a high school student. And it's like, oh my goodness, where did the years go? And you transition into the heart of the mother from the Goldbergs. Few of you out there, I got, I got you. I'm tracking with you, and it's all the mother becomes a smother, right? And it's like, so it was grow up, grow up, grow up, and now it's whoa, my baby's not leaving the house. Hold back, hold back, hold back. You're going to you, you're going to college where? Hold back. And so what we've done is that we've raised a generation that never had a childhood and never were released into adulthood, and no wonder we have a generation now that's living a quasi-adolescent life in their parents' basement. Remember, I needed you to affirm your love for me as I'm walking through, we're just di diagnosing. So we've lost something in our society called rites of passage. And uh, like a rite of passage, meaning you walked across the stage, you re received your, your college diploma, and you used to get a handshake saying, well done, son. Uh, you out of the house now, and your mama and I are traveling, and you're welcome back at Christmas. That's what it used to look like. Now it looks like, hey, we got your old room ready for you. And I know, hear, hear your pastor's heart, okay, as I'm diagnosing. I get that there are circumstances and seasons and finances, and I, I get all that, so I'm not making a carte blanche statement, but do you see our problem with transitioning? Okay, let me even dig. I'm, I'm, in, I'm in over my head, so I might as well just keep digging before we get out. <laughs> this one will be less popular. <laughs> Instead of embracing the natural yet painful, joyful yet sorrowful transition of life to greater life of the believer, we perhaps have used our technology and medications to prolong suffering and a quasi-shadow life of someone past their God-given ordained date with eternity rather than simultaneously tearfully mourn and joyfully celebrate the life of a saint well-lived and allow their life to be swallowed up into a greater life as they graduate into the presence of the Lord and into the arms of Jesus. We don't transition well. And I, I get it as somebody who has graduated three out of four grandparents, as somebody who has graduated one of my own parents, and I'm, 
I'm not saying those decisions aren't hard. I'm just saying that perhaps we don't transition well. And the, the problem with all of this is part of us craves change. We crave transition and another part of us doesn't. And so we settle for and even lust for shallow surface change. Like new shoes and new clothes, a new car, a new boyfriend, a new wife. It creates a false sense in us that we're progressing forward when really we're just circling the same mountain dressed in different clothes. Our technology has created within us the illusion that we are changing, exploring, and taking new territory when really we're just walking around the same path with an upgraded cell phone. We have substituted true change and movement and progression for surface level switching. Rather than do the hard work of real change, like the Israelites, we would rather have the shiny, new, glittery, golden calf that we can form and fashion in our own image, rather than do the true work of inner transformation chiseled from the finger of Yahweh into the stone tablets that beckons us into the deep formation of becoming more like Jesus Christ." We don't need any more surface change without true transition, and yet transition in life is difficult. It's hard. It's painful. So I want to dig into the Word of God this morning that not just diagnoses our challenges, that not just says, hey, you're a little sick in this area, but the Word of God is about hope, and the Word of God is about showing us how to transition in life. So Deuteronomy chapter 1, beginning at verse 6. When we were at Mount Sinai, the Lord our God said to us, you've stayed at this mountain long enough. It's time to break camp and move on. Go to the hill country of the Amorites and into the neighboring regions, the Jordan Valley, the hill country, the western foothills, the Negev, and the coastal plain. Go to the land of the Canaanites and to Lebanon and all the way to the great Euphrates River. Look, I'm giving you all this land in our theme verse for this series. Go in and occupy it. For it is the land the Lord swore to give to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and to all their descendants. So how do we experience this morning true transition and true transformation? It starts, I think, with having a proper perspective of your mountain. So understanding that some of the change and some of the transition that God calls us out of is not from bad to good. It's from good to great. And, and sometimes transitioning from good to great is more difficult than it is from bad to good because you look at a situation that's bad and you may say, I don't know what to do. You may say, I don't know how to get to where I want to go, but you recognize where I'm at is not great. The problem with Sinai was that it was a good mountain. In fact, I would argue it was a really good mountain. It was like the pinnacle of their spiritual experience having been freed. So once they got on the other side of the Red Sea, here's God calling up Moses to the top of the mountain. Here's God chiseling Moses, one of Moses' sermons by, the, by his finger into stone tablets. Sinai means shining. It means radiating. So Moses walks down the mountain. And he has to put a veil over his face because he's glowing with the presence of God. So this is not a bad mountain. This is a good mountain. And yet God says, even in your lives, there are things in your lives that are good. They're wonderful. They're blessing. They're moments. But God hasn't 
called you to live in a moment. You, ca you capture a moment so you don't live in the moment. You live out of the moment. Let, let, me, let me further explain it by, by this. I think we have to recognize our temptation to stay at the mountain. Let's just be honest about it. Can we be honest and say, hey, there are some days that were good old days. And talk about those days and talk, share those memories and look, look through those photographs and, and, and celebrate seasons in our lives, whether it was three months ago or three years ago or 30 years ago. I think as we come up on these holidays, these are, these are good opportunities to retell some of the old stories. Some of you know what I'm talking about because Thanksgiving at your house has been the same for the last 10 years because you retell the same stories and that's okay. Like you, you laugh at the same things and we celebrate the same things and that's part, that's part of it. You have those go-to stories, right? And there's usually one of the go-to characters in that story. And if you can't think of who that go-to character in the story is in your family, it may be you, but like there's, there's every family has the characters and every family has the stories and, and that's wonderful and we celebrate that and it's okay to just recognize, hey, there were some times in my life when God did some amazing things, but then we have to recognize our selective memory and nostalgia about the mountain. So here's what I know about a mountain as I'm driving away from a mountain and as I glance up into my rear view mirror, I only see one side of the mountain. Right, and I'm, I'm the worst at this. I am the worst at remembering every good thing about last year, but I forget. I remember the peaks, but I forget the valleys. I remember the blessing, but I forget the, the difficulty. I look back on the picture of vacation, and I'm like, that was the most amazing experience ever, and I forget that I was ready to box up my kids in a UPS box and ship them home that very morning, right? Like you remember the good things. So the Israelites are like, Sinai, man, that's when God spoke to us. That's when Moses, you remember when the preacher's face was glowing? I remember, that was a good Sunday, y'all. He preached the house down and somebody raises their hand and is like, hey, wasn't that also when we did that whole golden calf thing? Oh, oh yeah. Like, and so I just challenge you this morning, remember the season, but remember the whole season. Remember, you've got to remember because every, every season has its joys and its challenges. And that's why you can't skip seasons because if you skip seasons, you're going to skip joys. And you'll skip challenges and the, the joys motivate you, but the challenges change you. And that's why, that's why we need both. And then, and then we need to... We need to recognize that every mountain has a purpose. So the purpose of Sinai was not the glow. It wasn't. It was a great experience. It said that Moses went up on that mountain and talked to God face to face. It, it, it says that he came down the mountain and that God's glory was radiating on him, off of him. You know, the purpose of Sinai was not even this, the the physical stone tablets. What was the purpose of Sinai? The purpose of Sinai was to begin to shape them into the community to occupy the promised land. So here's what I know about the greatest spiritual mountaintop in your, in, in your life. Those mountaintop moments weren't about the mountaintop moment. The moment, the mountaintop moment wasn't about the manifestation. It was about the movement. And once we get our eyes off of what God is doing and onto the manifestation, 
This is when we take God-ordained revival and God-ordained renewal, and we take our eyes off of the voice of God and off of the movement of God, and we put it onto the manifestation of God. And God's like, I wish I never would have made your face glow in the dark, Moses, because apparently the people can't get past Moses' glow in the dark. And, you know, imagine if they would have started a glow-in-the-dark ministry. We're going to have a glow-in-the-dark conference. And you're going to cut, and we kind of chuckle, but you're like, yeah, I grew up in Pentecost. That's not too far from the truth. <laughs> like, and we're going to, we're going to pray for everybody that when they walk out, your face is going to be kneel. You, that great, do it. You just missed the point. You missed the point. The point is that God is doing a work of inner transformation in you in that season to take you to the next season. So celebrate Sinai. Feel his presence. Get the goosebumps during worship. But in the midst of that, say, God, where are you taking me? It's like if you're, you know, if you're staying at a hotel with an elevator, let's just say it's an embassy suite with a glass elevator. You're like, I like this elevator. I can see out onto the courtyard and the lobby area, and you're on the 20th floor, and you ride to the top, and you're like, that was a good experience. And then you, the doors close, and you go back down to the lobby, and you hit 15, and you go up to 15. You're like, I really like that, and you go back down to 5. You're like, let's go up to 28, and you go up to 28. Listen, that's fine if you like to ride an elevator, but if you're still on the elevator an hour later, you have missed the purpose of the elevator. The elevator was to get you to a destination. Can I tell you that when God moves in your life, when you feel the Holy Spirit, when you have the altar experience, when you sense a movement, that, per, that, that manifestation has a purpose and it's to move you on to the next thing that God has. And so then number two, you have to break camp. You got to break camp. You've stayed at this mountain long enough. It's time to break camp. Here's, here's why this is so important. It's so important that they tore down their tents before they began to move on. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you why. Because of where they were headed. So, so Sinai means glowing. Sinai means radiating. Listen to the next town that they went into because names are meaningful in the Bible. Uh, they're, they're, they're metaphorical oftentimes for, this, for a situation. So this is... This is not about necessarily a location. This is about a situation. Their situation went from glowing and shining to Kibroth Hatava. And it means graves of the longing. And you don't want to sign up for that trip on TripAdvisor. Like, you, d you don't want to rent that Airbnb. And if they hadn't have broken down their tents... I bet that they would have got a few steps in and saw where they were going and went back to the same tent. Can I, can I tell somebody this morning that if you are frustrated in life, how do I keep, how do I keep ending up at the same tent? Tear down the tent. Tear down that. Let me, let me translate that into 2018. Delete his name out of your phone. Like, tear down the tent. Unfriend them on Facebook. 
You say, Pastor, that doesn't sound very Jesus-like. Here's what's not very Jesus-like, is they keep tearing down your emotions. And you make a step towards the things of God, and then they bring you back. Sometimes it's good not to burn the bridges, and other times pour gasoline on that thing. Burn, baby, burn. Go, 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 go. Like God will give you, God will give you, this is important for you to understand. God gives moments of victory and you got to act on moments of victory. And I just sense like a relational freedom in the house. If you are in a relationship that is bondage, that is tearing you down, that is pulling you back, you've got to get out of that relationship. Now, if you're married, come see us first. <laughs> And we'll work with you. But you understand what I'm, what I'm saying. There are, there are times when you're like, you just keep ending up back at the, back at the same place. And then so we've got we've to move on from the mountain. We've got we've to break camp. And then we've got to move on. Move on. You've stayed at this mountain long enough. It's time to break camp and move on. So then there are times in our lives when I'm not so much paralyzed by my ultimate destiny, I'm just, I'm stuck in my next steps. Like, have you, have you ever been there? Like, I see where I want to be in five years. I just don't know where I want to be in five minutes. I want to I wa I graduate college with an engineering degree, but which of the 12 colleges do I go to? I, I, want to, I want to get married and have five kids. I just don't know, I don't know what to do with Friday night, right? So, so sometimes it's e actually easier to see the promised land than it is to see where you're going from Mount Sinai into the next town. And so I love, I love how the Bible is just so earthy and so practical. So, so watch this. This was God's instruction said, you've stayed at this mountain long enough. It's time to break camp and move on. And then God says this, go to the hill country of the Amorites into all the neighboring regions. So I don't mean to blow your mind with some deep theological truth this morning, but sometimes your next step is simply your next step. Like it's just, here, and here's the problem. It looks really ordinary. So what's my next step? What's my next? Well, if you have two kids, have three. If, you, if you're, if you're uh, a sales associate, maybe become the sales manager. If you have a master's degree, go on to postgraduate work. If you, you know, just like, just takes the, the next step. And, and here's the problem for good spirit empowered people of God is sometimes that doesn't feel real spiritual. Like, like Sinai, that was Sinai, that was the mountaintop, that was the, that was, God was at Sinai, but then God says, hey, go to the next town. Well, that town doesn't look like Sinai. That I don't, I'm not feeling, I'm not feeling it like I was. But do you know that God has places for you? This thing is a journey. So I mentioned before that different towns have names and that names are metaphors, not for the location, but for the situation. Can I, can I read you some of these locations that God led them through? And here's what I believe that as I read these about the journey of Israel, the Holy Spirit's gonna nudge some of you and he's gonna say, that's where you're at. Or remind you, that's where you've been or tell you, hey, this is where you're going. Listen, listen to this, this is interesting. So the Israelites went, 
this was their, their journey. They started out in a place called Sukkoth, which meant shelter. God was, if you've been in that season where you just felt God was protecting you, he was sheltering you, a car wreck that you never ended up in because you were five minutes late for work that morning. Etham means firm and strong. That season where God said, I'm, I'm strengthening you. Mara, everybody's walked through this season. Mara means bitterness or anger. When somebody offended you, when a another believer offended you and you have an opportunity to pick up that offense of bitterness or anger. But watch what's right on the other side of Mara. Elam is on the other side of Mara. And Elam means like a, a spring of palms or an oasis. And so hear me this morning, when you choose to step out of bitterness, you're gonna step into refreshing. Dafka means a knocking, a knocking. Have you been in seasons where it was like the Holy Spirit was just always kind of knocking on your heart? And, and nudging you and saying, and it wasn't like big revelation, but it was like, hey, go, go do this. Talk to this person. Give, give that person some groceries. Just like a continual knocking, you have a louche that was a mingling together. Uh, sometimes he brings new relationships into your life. It's Sinai, which means to shine. It's Rephidim, which means props or support. Those seasons when you feel weak, but you learn to rely on God's strength. He props you up. He supports you. So Sinai and then Kabroth, Hatava, graves, graves of the longing difficult season. Hazaroth means settlement or village. Sometimes in your those seasons where you feel good, you feel settled. But then when you feel settled, God calls you to move on to, to Libna. Libna is, means whiteness. It's a place of purity. Rishah is a place of compact foundation where God is developing a firm foundation in you. Hara means fear. Mekaloth means congregation. Tara means delay. If you spent a little bit of time at Tara, like some weeks or months or years in Tara, delay. But after the delay is Mithka, which means sweetness. And then there's Hashmana, which means fatness. Another translation of that is Thanksgiving. And so that's a, that's a good season. And we're, we're about to enter into a good season. Masaroth is bond or bonds. Bene Jokin is he twists twists. Those seasons where you were like, oh, that was an unexpected twist. I didn't expect that opportunity. I didn't expect that relationship to come up at this time. And then there's Horhagagad, which is the cavern of thunder. You ever been in the cavern of thunder with God? That's fun. Like, hey, come on in here, boy. We're going to deal with some stuff. And God just is like, that's an intense season, right? But then, but then you go out of that season to Jothbatha, which is all about God's goodness. Abrana, a passage, because God always, always, always makes a way. Kadesh, he is sacred, and Punan, my light, and Oboth, which means bottles or, or water bags. And, and so there's all these different towns and all these different seasons and all these different situations. But the question I want to ask this morning is, which one of those towns was, was Yahweh not in with the Israelites? Which one of those places was God not there? No, I, I get it. I mean, they felt him in certain seasons more than another. And they were more obedient in certain seasons than other seasons. And certain seasons were more joyful 
than other seasons. But there wasn't one town. There's not, can I preach this in your life? That there is not one circumstance, not one season, not one situation that God isn't walking with you. He is there beside you, whether you feel him or not. And for some of you, you're like, Doug, but this season feels so ordinary and so plain. Congratulations, it's called spiritual growth and you're right where God wants you to be because not every Sinai is a Sunday. Not every Sunday is a Sinai. That would preach better if I said it in that order. And like I want it to be, right? I want all, my, I want all of my devotional times to look like revival. But sometimes they look like Mara. Sometimes they look like Succoth. They're seasons. And so the key, the key to this whole thing is not necessarily where you're going, but who goes with you. Thank you so much for joining us. Here at CFA Church, it is our deepest hope that you have found the place that you can call home. For more information about this community or to find out how you can connect, Simply head over to cfachurch.com where you can plan a visit right from the website. It is our prayer that you will continue to love Jesus and change the world. God bless you.